You're listening to the Alchemy of Self podcast with Romza. The world is currently in a state of rebirth. All of the systems we have inherited are collapsing and failing us as a species. It's time for us to come together and create something out of nothing. If you crave deeper purpose, unshakable strength, and a life aligned with your truth, this is for you. This is for you if you are curious and not afraid to ask questions. This podcast is for those searching for their purpose and those ready to step into their full potential. For lovers of truth and those ready for masculine medicine, this podcast is an adventure that gives voice to a journey of healing, discovery, and embodiment. We'll challenge the old narratives we inherited and forge a new path. Join us in this fearless exploration of the multiple dimensions of being human, breathwork, mindset, healing the body, detox, and how to use the gentle way of jujitsu to make you unstoppable in your wellness, business, life, relationships, and more. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine, as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It is not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Hey guys, welcome back to Our Deepest Fear with your host, Rome Zah. Today I have a special friend on this podcast. He's a serial entrepreneur and a business innovation strategist. He's the founder of Costanzo Marketing Group, and he has started and sold multiple businesses and worked with clients across dozens of industries. Brad is often referred to by his clients and the media as a powerful catalyst that provides clarity and confidence to entrepreneurs while fostering connections to people and resources that can move the needle in any business. He is the host of the award-winning podcast called Bacon Wrap Business, listed by Inc.com as one of the top 35 podcasts for entrepreneurs. I mean, how can you not be listed by Inc. when the name of your podcast has bacon. So I'd like to welcome Brad Costanzo. Brad, hello. My brother, it is so good to have the tables turned on me. You were on my show. I wrapped you in bacon and now uh, <laughs> it's good to be on, man. It's I good. love it. It's very ironic, bro, because you're an honorary Jew and your podcast is a uh, bacon wrap business. So it's perfect. It's it's so funny too because you know my last name is so similar to George Costanza from Seinfeld. Yes. And uh, so I get that all the time. Like, are you Jewish? <laughs> but that's not why. <laughs> I'm also cheap. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But it's a good thing. I mean, in the business world, it's a really good thing. 
Absolutely. A lot of these people that are listening probably don't know you. Um, I know you in a lot of ways. Um, you you have a really brilliant mind, and it's very you're a generalist in business in a lot of ways, right? Like you have a lot of um, and it, not just depth, but like uh, width, width, girth, <laughs> girth. Not just depth, <laughs> but girth very, in very the business girthy. world. Where did you like? What was your first taste of business where you were like, "Oh, I like this. Like, I wanna, I wanna keep going in this direction." You know, so first taste, and it wasn't a linear path on this. But you know, when I was in, when I was growing up, my dad, who had a, he had a normal career job, but he always kind of instilled in me the idea of going out and uh, starting your own business, uh, with which included when I was. When I was 16, um, instead of just going to get a job like, you know, all my friends did, at, you know, like McDonald's or something like that, he had me going out and mowing lawns, which involved putting an ad in the newspaper, field those ads, you know, take the calls, go over, do a quick sales call, and get it done. I hated it because a, I was lazy as a kid. I didn't want to go out and mow lawns. I'm like, that's physical labor. Can't I just go stand behind a counter and like take money at the local video store or something? But, uh, and I was allergic to the grass cuttings. He didn't care, but I was out there sneezing my ass off and just, just miserable. Like I grew up in, uh, right outside of St. Louis, Missouri. And I was just out there in the summer, you know, sweating and sneezing. And I had a, one of my good friends, uh, or actually two of my good friends, uh, they needed money and they actually didn't have a job. So I was getting paid, I don't know, like $20 a uh, per lawn. And I asked them, you guys want to get paid $10 a lawn? And they said, sure. So um, I would pay them and I'd make half. And it literally wasn't because I, because I wanted to scale the business or just like grow this and like, oh, this is awesome. I got people working for me. It was because I wanted to play video games and not sneeze. So I hired them to go do all the all the grunt work. But, um, and then my dad kind of instilled in me from an early age of, uh, you know, whatever job you do get work to learn, not just to earn and think about, is this a business that I could go into someday? And then it, it was, it wasn't really after the, uh, after the, what do you call it? The, the lawn mowing thing. And I went to college and I studied finance and investments, et cetera. And I went and I got a job in the financial services field, which was as a financial advisor, like stockbroker, et cetera. You're not really a financial advisor, you're a salesperson. And sales, a sales job, which is 100% commission, is very entrepreneurial, right? You don't have to worry about accounting and business startup, et cetera, et cetera. But it's, I mean, it's very entrepreneurial. You got to get out there and hustle. And then throughout that job, the entrepreneurial bug kept on kind of uh, biting at me and I would do side hustles, right? Like I would start this or I'd start real estate investing or I would start something else uh, while I was doing that just because I was always, I don't know, I don't know if it was like entrepreneurial ADD or I just always wanted to try something new. But that was that was kind of the genesis of the entrepreneurial bug in my life. I love it. So would you say, would you consider yourself like a starter or a finisher? Starter. Yeah, I didn't notice how long it took me to think about. (laughs) No, I get it, bro. I get. I mean, that's why I love you so much. And once more, I think it has to do with the. I think it has to do with the entrepreneurial ADD, as I said. That um, you know, ADD can be a, it can be a blessing or a curse. For me, it's it's been both. But you know, when you're in control of it, it can be really good. And that's why, I think I have a a very wide breadth 
<laughs> girth, girth, <laughs> um, girthy, uh, bro. mom girthy of experience is just because um, I've, I start a lot and some of it works and a lot of it doesn't, but um, I'm, I've got this insatiable curiosity and I, I get bored easily and I want to try new things and I like to try new challenges. And um, it has kept me from probably scaling a, a singular business and having dramatic success in one field, but I've had a lot of success in broad fields, which has really given me a lot of of uh, experience that I can kind of bring to when, when I'm working with clients, for instance, uh, when I do my consulting, that I've seen a lot in a lot of different areas. And, you know, you, you mentioned like some of my, cl my clients have called me a catalyst because a lot of times it only takes that one idea. It only takes one potential mind shift or strategy or angle to completely change the course of a business and that's the stuff i really like doing but it's i mean it's also not without its drawbacks for sure for sure but like those drawbacks could also be like the best thing ever right because in reality like we the question isn't like i don't know like i actually wrote this earlier today and i was just like is the question how can i make more money how can i scale this business how can i be a gazillionaire or is the question how can i be happy Yes, that's the last one. Because it's like, fuck, like I know tons of people that have shit tons of money and they're miserable. Yeah. And it's like it's it's not it's not linear. No, and you know, one of the things I can I can say, like there's a lot of people I know who are smarter than me, make a lot more money, have more toys, etc. I I am very proud to say I don't know many people happier than I am. And I don't have everything I want and I have not achieved everything I want. And I beat myself up a lot and I've got negative self-talk and there's a lot of things that I still stress about. At the same time, I don't know anybody happier than I am. Um, and I'm very proud of that. Like I feel very balanced and I'm able to be very grateful at what I've got and feel like I'm on a, like I'm on a, on a good trajectory and I wouldn't trade that for all the money in the world. For sure. For sure. I'm not going to get into a happiness measuring contest with you right now, but I'm pretty fucking happy, bro. <laughs> uh, I know. And that's well, and that's one of the reasons we're friends. Like happy people love hanging around with other happy people because one of the things we don't do very often is just bitch and complain. And if we do, we kind of want a solution to it, right? We don't want to go to a pity party. If like, if I call you up bitching and complaining, that's probably because I'm like, Rome, you might have an answer for me. Can you help me out with this? I'm like, all right, cool. I'm on. And I mean, like attracts like in those For cases. sure. I mean, when we hang out, bro, it's just like we're, we're just kind of constantly creating solutions and ideas and new businesses. I mean, on a hike, we might create nine or 10 new businesses. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned about the, you know, money versus happiness, et cetera, et cetera. And it kind of also comes down to, I talked about this yesterday. I was on another podcast and we were talking about this general concept of goals. It's like, you know, I, I don't have, it is very hard for me to have goals in my life by the normal de definition of a goal, which is like, like for instance, you've heard smart goals, like sp what is it, specific, measurable, measurable, yeah, you know, reality results or whatever, results. yeah, yeah. So those are not drivers for me, with the exception of short term. Like, okay, I've got a project I'm working on. Like, my goal is to get this project over the finish line, but that's not a life goal. Um, 
And when I looked back at when I was, I, I've tried in the past to create life goals based on a certain amount of income, uh, certain th- tangible things that I had, or a certain type of work I was doing, and none of it was driving me. It was almost like I was, I knew I was bullshitting myself. And it wasn't until I changed goals to aspirations and said, or or the concept of like fuzzy goals. And I was like, ah, fuzzy goals can be good because they you can end up on a on a on a, a detour and still get to where you're going, but in a much better way. And the aspirations I came up with is three things. I want to be fully engaged, like really enjoy. If I'm doing something, especially for a living, I want to enjoy it. Like all the money in the world doesn't matter if I don't like my job. In fact, my friend, uh, my friend Joe Polish, I heard him one time say, uh, he was actually speaking at an event I was speaking at. And he's like, there's, you know, prostitution's fun <laughs> until you got to suck the fat guy's dick. Can I cuss yeah. on this? Yeah, right? you can do whatever the fuck you want, bro. Remember whose cool. podcast this is? Come oh, on, bro. Right. So, and, you know, I really <laughs> actually thought that was a really interesting uh, – now, this was this was to a, a, a group of guys. But I really thought that was an interesting metaphor. And when you think about it, it's like, okay, so for women – if all if if all they had to do was have sex with really good looking cool guys and get paid for it, nobody would like everybody would want to be a prostitute. Right? Oh, this is fucking amazing. It's when they're forced to do things they don't want to do for money, right? And and it would, and that that's a really interesting metaphor parallel to like anybody's career. Like if you if you are doing a job you hate. And you feel like it's sucking the soul out of you just to put, you know, money in your pocket, with, you know, with the exception of hey, short-term emergencies, like I got to do this just to just, just to do it. But it's what's the difference between that and prostitution? Uh, there's not a lot, right? And I, I'll, I'll never I'll never forget that very crass but spot-on thing. Like, yeah, it's not all the money in the world is not worth it if you know if if I'm not. If it doesn't fulfill me on an ongoing, engaged basis, so that's number one. Number two is um, I want to work with people that I love that are that inspire me. Whether it doesn't matter if those are clients, team members, employees, uh, etc. Like I, I want to be surrounded by people who inspire me. And number number three is I want to make really good money, and I don't really know what that means, right? I don't really know what good money is. Is it is it a hundred thousand a year is it a million a year is it ten million a year? Uh, it, well, it all depends what goes into that, and um, et cetera. But when I started to live my life by aspirations and fuzzy goals, as opposed to these kind of fake, tangible, arbitrary number-based goals, I started just enjoying my life a lot better. And when then, when I looked back at those three aspirations, I realized, wow, I am fully engaged. In what I'm doing, I'm working with amazing people, and I'm making really good money. So. Do I win? Maybe. Yeah, I love it. I love. It. I'd like to actually bring it back to point number one, right? Uh, the sucking the fat guy's dick thing. Yeah. It's actually something that I brought up to a lot of coaching clients, where they're like, "Yeah, but I'm making really good money," and I'm like, "What does that mean to you?" And they'll they'll tell me like a number, and I'm like, "Do you love what you do?" Is it? They're like, "No, like I hate it," and I'm like, "Well, that's the number that you that your soul costs because that's what you're doing." Mm. Yeah. Like at the deepest level, like you're literally selling your soul. Yeah. I mean, and also like the second point, um, like sometimes that's also by yourself. 
<laughs> a lot of the time that's yeah. by yourself, right? And like that's usually the person that you would want to enjoy spending the most amount of fucking time with by choice. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I love right. spending time by myself. Me too. But I also, but I also too, love right? but I'm highly extroverted. I love other people, but you're spot on with that. Oh, and also the third point, this is something um this is something I'm getting better at, like remembering, right? And then like and then jumping in when um when I actually remember and I have something useful. But like the idea of good money, it I don't I don't know if good money has a number attached to it or it has like the idea of like, no, I'm doing good and I'm making the money that's mm-hmm. like does that, does that make sense? It, like it does, and I mean it, it totally does. I mean, and you know, the touch is number the, one, right? Well, and if you just look at the, the 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 dollar amount, so it also depends. Like if I have a lot of money in savings, I don't need as much to to be good money, right? Like let's say I got five million bucks in the bank, and now I'm making fifty thousand dollars a year just doing something I love. Well, that, hey, that's good enough money because I got the rest taken care of. If I've only got five dollars in the bank and I'm making fifty thousand a year. Um, that's not necessarily good money based upon, you know, what I want, what I want to accomplish in my life. So I think it's all, I think it's all super relative and you have to define it by yourself. But one thing I think both of us can probably profess to anybody listening is don't compare yourself to others, especially don't compare, you know, don't look at somebody else's gross income and get jealous because that does not tell the story at all. Yeah, I mean, it's just like it's Instagram, it's Facebook, it's people making these posts. And that's not really what their life looked like. Those are like highlights. And that could be 0.01% of their life. Or it might not even feel that good just because that's a good looking picture. And that's a nice car. Like, dude, the nicer the car, like, guys stop you. Like you, you had an R8. Who are the most people that looked at your fucking car? Yeah, oh, the guys were the ones who looked at my car. Cars and muscles, bro. It's like you're only attracting dudes. One hundred percent. It's so funny, yeah. Because I had that R8, and I was now. Granted, I'm married, but I still was looking forward to pulling up to um, stoplights and having girls walk across the street and check me out. <laughs> For sure. I cannot tell you how many times like a hot girl and a, and her boyfriend or husband were walking across the street, and she looks forward, and he's checking me out. I'm like, God, that's not why I bought it. <laughs> For sure. All right, let's segue a little bit. What was it like to grow up in Missouri, bro? Boring, but good. I mean, it's, you know, it was actually Southern Illinois, right outside of Missouri. Uh, it, it was good, you know, it was growing up in the heartland and, uh, you know, Midwest, conservative, safe, um, but sheltered and boring. And um, I, w- I was ready to get out of there. I, I, it wasn't bad. It was just, to me, it was kind of vanilla. Right. Like I wasn't exposed to much um, culture, if you would. But I had good friends. I had good parents. Uh, I didn't see any, uh, you know, I didn't see terrible things. I had a a pretty good, I had a pretty good childhood. Um, So I wouldn't trade it. But the minute I got, I graduated college and it was one week later, I moved to Orlando, Florida, worked at Disney World for minimum wage. My dad almost disowned me. He's like, you are doing what? I'm, I'm work, you're working at Epcot Center, 30 hours a week, making $5.25 an hour, and you just graduated college with honors degree in finance? Hmm? Come back? <laughs> that didn't sit well. Fuck. That's crazy. Yeah, that and, that, and then, like, how did you make it out to San Diego? Well, so I, 
I went from Orlando there for about two or three years. I moved to Dallas. I was there for 14 years as financial advisor. And then I got into digital marketing there and started a business. And uh, I sold my business in 2012. And then it was time to start over. Luckily, my girlfriend at the time, who's my wife now, she was a, uh, was and still is in mortgages, like loan officer. And she was able to transfer out here. But I decided, look, I, I loved San Diego. And I was like, I'm, I'm, we have to move because I'm starting over anyway because I sold my business. We're going to start over there. And we just picked up the things and moved. I love it. When you were a kid, did, did you have something or someone you wanted to be when you grew up? So early on, yeah, you know what? It's, it's really funny. So when I was a little kid, no, it, I've never heard anybody else say this, but uh, Alex P. Keaton from Family Ties. I don't know if you remember him. I'm a little younger. I... Yeah. So he was this um, like in young go-getter investment, like finance conservative Republican protege that, uh, and it was so, it's, dude, it's so funny. I've never heard anybody say they idolized Alex B. Keaton, like Michael J. Fox, but I did. And I think one of the reasons, cause when I, I bought one of the best ways I bonded with my dad was over the topic of stocks and investments and his character on family ties was this, he was this like young little, you know, and this was in the eighties, right? Like this is like, I was born in 74. So when I was like, you know, I don't know, 10, it was like 1984, I was like 13. It was like 1987. And all the rage was like the movie Wall Street and, you know, and, and the young Donald Trump taking over New York City, right, which is a totally different Donald Trump than we see in the White House today. And it was just the that was the it was the me, me, me 80s. And I was infatuated by some of that. Granted, when I look back at it, I know it was a, one of the ways that I bonded with my dad. Not that he was like that, but he turned me on to investments in Wall Street. And I got and I really liked it. And so I always thought growing up uh, – and then the movie Wall Street came out with um, Charlie Sheen and uh, Michael Douglas, like Bud Fox. I was like, I want to be Bud Fox on Wall Street and I want to be a mover and a shaker, et cetera. It was really funny when I look back at myself but because um, it's totally different than I am now. Um, and it wasn't – like once I graduated college with a degree in investment finance – I decided, okay, I don't want to do that. That's why I went to Disney. I ended up back as a financial advisor. Like I ended up in that field for about nine years, mainly because it's what I knew. Like I was so entrenched in it. And I was like, okay, I want to be professional again. Well, this is what I know. And I liked parts of it, but man, it was a world of difference between um, what I imagined as a fantasy growing up and what it was in real life. And uh, it's, it's kind of funny. Like I haven't told that story, you know, I don't, I don't know if it was to anybody or whatever in a long time, but it's kind of funny when I look back at who I wanted to be and who I thought I was, my identity back then and who it is today, it's night and day. Wow. That's incredible. Uh, what, <laughs> what was the first thing you fell in love with? First thing I thing, fell in love yeah, with. Like thing, idea, process. Well, the first thing I fell in love with, like, I mean, if you go back to the first thing, it really was stocks and investments. It was a way to bond with my dad. They made sense. I loved it. I studied it a lot. I was reading a biography of Warren Buffett when I was a junior in high school, like for fun. I did a report on John D. Rockefeller. Like I was actually obsessed with wealth growing up, obsessed with it. Like I thought it was the thing. And luckily I shook that off early on um, to where I stopped being obsessed with wealth 
Um, and I, and unlike a lot of people, I didn't chase it my whole life. I realized what it was and I quickly, that's when I actually went the best thing about going to Disney to just check myself out of being pro, trying to be professional and thinking about career, et cetera. And I told several people, cause they're like, including my dad, what are you doing? I was like, I'm trying to prevent a midlife crisis. Cause I see it coming. Like I see it coming. I've been on the straight and narrow, uh, never smoked weed in high school. I mean, I drank at parties, but never too much. Like I was a good kid, honor student, um, not a full blown nerd, but I kind of straddled the nerd and jock world. But I saw a life ahead of me going, and I just chase, I'm just chasing material wealth. Like, but it felt like I, in the, in the minute I left and I went to Disney and I just started working in the parks, et cetera, it felt as though I, I unzipped a costume I'd been wearing most of my life and stepped into my real self. And, wow. um, that was a, that was a big moment. And then I decided, then whenever I did things, like even when I got back into that investment arena, it was because not because of who the, the fantasy, the idea of who it could be, but it was because, well, you know what? I actually do like this stuff in general and I'm, and I can talk about it. I think I'd be good at it. There's a career in it. Okay. Let's try it out. But I, but I had no desire. I was not chasing wealth in it at that point. I was just, ch- you know, trying to pursue a career and have some fun while I was doing it. But uh, and then it wasn't until um, I really discovered like digital marketing and whatnot in 2007 after reading Tim Ferriss's Four Hour Work Week, <laughs> where because I knew I I was really good at sales just naturally all my life, but I knew nothing about marketing. And then marketing I realized was okay. Well, if I if I can sell and persuade in person, it's probably not that hard to sell and persuade in real life. So I just started to study everything about it. I fell in love with the, with marketing and persuasion and, uh, and ideas and just, you know, I loved how people were coming up with, you know, people that I surrounded myself now in this new industry were, you know, coming up with the most outrageous ideas and making money with it. And then I was doing the same thing. And uh, that's one of the things I really fell in love with and have been in love with, you know, for the past 12 years. I love it. I love it. So now you're, you've been in this entrepreneurial state like phase for a really, really, really long time now. Um, what is like if somebody's working a nine to five or or they're just doing something that they just don't enjoy doing, like what is some advice that you have for them? So the advice I have is in uh, assuming they want to make a change, right? Yeah. So the number one, I've got a kind of a general process that I've I, I've worked with some people through this kind of informally in the past. A lot of people, what they'll do let me, let me start with what I wouldn't do. Right. So what a lot of people will do is like, I'm so fed up with this. I'm just going to go, uh, I'm going to quit and I'm going to start a business. I'm going to go do this. And in a lot of cases that doesn't work, especially if they are running from the business, it's because, you know, a, a lot of times we'll move away from pain or move towards pleasure, uh, pleasure or, you know, something positive. But, um, if we're simply running away from the negative, and we like hate our job, anything that looks better than the negative, like positive, it can be that siren's call, right? Like it can be fake. Like, okay, I'm going to leave this. I'm going to go do this. And what you did is you saw this other new opportunity through rose colored glasses, and then you get into it 
with no safety net and you're like, oh crap, what did I just get myself into? Right. On the other side, like maybe there is something like a dream that you want to fulfill. Like, okay, I'm working as an accounts receivable clerk at a business and I'm, and it's sucking the soul out of me, but I've always wanted to be a, um, uh, in the medical field or a, a life coach or, or a, a health fucking practice. dolphin trainer or a do- whatever. Right. <laughs> like if that's, and if that's your true dream and you know, it is, it's, and you're not just running away from something you don't like, like, yeah, go pursue it or do it on the side, et cetera. So those are the extremes, right? But the other ones are, you know, I'm kind of burned out. I'm kind of bored. This isn't my, where I want to spend the rest of my life. I want to do something else. People talk about maybe starting your own business or doing this. I don't know what that looks like, but I'm, I'm, I want to try something, right? So one angle of that is just to do a side hustle. Like, okay, let's create a side hustle and just burn the midnight oil, work my other job and do this. That's beneficial, but one of the problems is it can also wear you out because a side hustle on top of like, let's say a 40 hour a week job, you don't have much downtime. You don't have much time to yourself. You are burning the midnight oil oftentimes, and that can also be a stretch. So what I've suggested is kind of a middle road. And this kind of comes from the concept of design and innovation thinking. So one of the things I'll do for companies is take them through these innovation sprints or design sprints. And it's not so much about product design as it is just about business model innovation. But um, the way a designer, we'll think about product designer, the way a product designer, first of all, creates any product is they go, okay, well, first of all, what's the, let's define the problem because all the great ideas in the world don't, you know, don't get you where you're at. If you don't start with, let's create you know, let, let's make sure we understand the problem here. So what's the problem with my current situation? And maybe it's just like, I'm not fully engaged. I don't like what I'm doing and I'm not making enough money, right? So that could be the problem. So now what a designer would do, once they know what the the uh, problem is, they're going to move over to br- the ideation phase, which is which is the brainstorming and it's thinking through what are, what else is possible. But just brainstorming like, you know, going for a walk or jumping on a whiteboard without any structure is hard to do. So I actually picked this aspect up from a couple of uh, designers who, um, one of them designed the Apple mouse, one of them designed uh, something else, but they're like two of Silicon Valley's top, top, top designers. And they were talking about this as it comes to lifestyle design. I don't remember their names, but um, have to give credit where it's due. The, um, so number one, Make a list of all the things in your life that you actually like doing. What are you engaged with? Like, is it outside work? Like, I like hiking. Like, like it can be hobbies. It can be professional. But just start to make a list. And number one is like, look for the commonalities in those, right? Like, you might find something. Uh, like, you know, you you mentioned dolphin trainer. Yeah, there's a good example. Like, okay, well, what are the things you love? Well, I, I love water. I love animals. I love I love helping people. I love teaching people things, right? Like, and these might seem disparate, but if you kind of write them down, like maybe like little bubbles, like a mind map or whatever, you might start to see or be able to draw connections to go, huh, water, animals, training. Maybe I could train water animals, right? Like, so that's one, that's just one way to start to come up with seedlings of ideas, but that's only one step to the ideation process. Uh, The next step comes up with, okay, Let's uh, let's let's put a little more structure to this. And there's three scenarios. So the first scenario you'd want to ask yourself is, 
okay, if I'm, if I stay on the path I'm on right now, like whatever I am, I'm in a, let's say I'm an accounts receivable clerk, right? Like I use that example. Well, what's the best example of me just moving up on the same path? Well, okay. That example would be, well, I get a promotion to accounts receivable manager, and then I get a promotion to this, and I get a promotion to this, and I work my way up either in the same company or the same industry I'm at, right? It's not an about face. It's not too much of a pivot. It's just, how do I improve where I'm at instead of leaving just that, and then just see what that looks like and see how it feels. And maybe it feels good. Like, maybe I'll just do that. I don't need to leave. I just need to go up. But then the second exercise, and do this no matter what, even if you like that first one is, Okay, well, if that wasn't an option, like if if it wasn't, if it was taken off the table so that I couldn't move up in this career that I'm currently on, you know, what might I do? Right. And that and then that that might come up with the you might come up with the dolphin trainer idea or something of that nature, right? Mm-hmm. And um that's usually your second idea. But then I always suggest to go to a third one, and that third one is okay, what would I do? You know, assuming I didn't do the first two, what would I do if two things, if both money and reputation were not a, uh, a were not a factor? Now, I love I love this nuance here when you add the reputation in here because if you say what would I do if money were no object, one of the things I hate about that is money is almost always an object, especially if you're not a bazillionaire. Money is an object, so none of us have really ever lived in a state where money is no object unless you already have that cash. So it's it's hard to do it. But when you say, when you add, if, okay, if money and reputation, like what will people think? Because one of the things that I think uh, bug us more than being poor is like, what, what do people think about us? It's status. Human beings are hardwired to seek status in life. And we don't, we may not want to, a lot of times it's subconscious, but Maybe you want to be um, a baller. Maybe you're a, a macho man, but you've always dreamt of being a ballerina, right? I'm trying to use an exa- uh, you know, a really extreme example yeah. here. But you're like, oh, I would never do that. Like, what would my friends think, or et cetera, et cetera. And maybe being a dolphin trainer. Maybe you, your parents wouldn't think highly of that for some reason or another either. But you might just be surprised at what you come up with if you think about those three questions. So first. What would it look like if I stayed on my path but went up? What would it look like if I if that was no longer an option and I left and did something else? And then three, what would I do if money and reputation were not a factor at all? Okay, so now, now we're almost at the final step. The final step is once you have one of those answers, like pick one or pick all of them, it doesn't matter. What a product designer would do is called prototyping. They don't just come up with an idea for a product and then just go spend all the company's resources to build the model from scratch. They prototype it. Sometimes they duct tape something together. So how do you duct tape a new business or a new lifestyle change together? Well, the first thing you can do is go interview people who are already doing it. Start a podcast, interview everybody in that field. I'm just throwing out an idea here. Interview everybody in that field so you can really learn about it. Maybe instead of starting a side hustle, you start a side shadow. Never used those words before, but I like it. Like find somebody who's doing what you're doing and go shadow with them, shadow their day, apprentice with them, work for free, and make sure that you see behind the veil of everything is awesome. And you go, huh, like, let's just say I want to start an e-com business. 
because I heard I, I've watched these YouTube videos and people are crushing it on ecom, man. All you got to do is start a product and boom, you're making millions of dollars and life is good. You got your Lamborghinis, woohoo. And then you go, hey, I've been, you, you know, you meet somebody like, let me shadow you. Would you mind? I'll even work for you for free if I can just shadow you for a month and see what this business is like. You might love it. But you might see that it's filled with. There's a lot of fat guys' dicks there to suck. <laughs> yeah, you might have a bunch of wieners in your face, and not be a, and, and bellies covering their wieners. You're not happy about it, right? <laughs> you get it. I mean, you're in the ecom space, and you know, and there was probably a time in your life where you're like, "Bro, ecom is, I, I can do this. This, I, I'm excited. I'm in it." And then you get in it, and you're like, "What in the hell did I get myself into? Holy crap! This is." This is stressful. This is a lot of work. Now, you you know, you you succeed anyway or you don't, but this is a really good way for somebody who doesn't quite know. It's not all or nothing. Prototype that son of a bitch. Go out like interview people, shadow them, apprentice with them, work for free or even just get a side job with them so you can peer in on what it's really like. You know, um one of the things that everybody like, you know, everybody wants to be like a, a movie star, right? I've got a friend of mine who's a working actor and it's cool. He goes, yeah, there's a lot of good things, but he goes, most of my job is, or most of my career is filled with like a waiting around rejection, um, ho- you know, hoping and praying that I get, I get a part, like I get rejected 100 times for every time I get a yes. Um, and it is it is a constant struggle. He goes, it looks fucking great on the outside, but when you get in, he's like, I wouldn't do this again if I if I if I wasn't bitten by the bug and had no other choice. So that's my extremely long winded advice for somebody if they're thinking about making a major change in their life. You don't. It's not all or nothing. You don't have to jump into the deep end. You can walk down the stairs into the shallow end and just walk, walk, walk grab some water wings and then get into the deep end. But think about it the way a designer would. Yeah. And this problem is, this idea is, prototypes. This is perfect for the young people listening because you are about to embark on a journey that's about to fuck you up for the rest of your life. Because take a doctor for an example, right? You go to college for four years, you go to fucking medical, you study your ass off, like you sacrifice so much. Um, and you're already in debt from regular college, then you go to medical school, then you're even more debt. Now you're like half a million dollars in debt and it's growing exponentially every year. And you come out and you're like, I thought it was going to be cool being a doctor. And then you get there and maybe it's not that fucking cool. But now you're stuck. You have a sunk cost bias. That's a big one, man. That messes a lot of people up. Yeah. And, and like, and like, if you're a doctor, like they tell you what you have to do. Oh, you thought you wanted to be a healer. <laughs> now let's see what kind of healing you can do when you have to operate for like in, in this little box. And if you don't, you lose your license. So you wind up operating anyway, selling your soul, right? Going back to the fat guy's dick analogy, you're selling your soul for what? So like, I totally agree with the whole apprenticeship model because it's like, how do you know? Like, how do you know you're going to love this? Because you're going to ask all of them, hundred maybe 99% of them are going to tell you yes on the, uh, on the onset when you ask them, do you love your job? They're going to be like, of course, because nobody wants to lower their reputation. Status, remember? Status. Status, status is a... 
Man, it is a and you know most of the people who are out there selling the get rich quick courses and or I'm sorry the get rich easy courses because get rich quick exists get rich easy doesn't um but they're the they're selling status right that's why they're showing up in their Lamborghinis and their cars that's why they're buying shit that they can show off that they think is going to make other people look at them like man they've got it made look at them they're driving a you know, they're a driving G, a G63 or a fucking Ferrari or whatever. Lambos and all this stuff. Like, look at me. Um, man, I, you and I both know people like this and they're fucking miserable. Yeah. And it's, it sucks because it's like these people, like the people, I mean, it's predatory. It's predatory because they understand psychology well enough to um, basically get you to imagine to uh, basically fast forward your life that you're going to be in this G63. I've been in the internet space for almost 10 years now. And when I was doing just the Amazon stuff, man, like, uh, like it, on, a, on like maybe two, three hands, like you can count the people that I knew that became super, like super successful or relatively successful and everybody else just like they'll launch a product and they fail, they go back to like their life. Yeah. Um, and also another piece of advice that, I, I would add is like, you just have to keep going. Like if that's something that you're really passionate about, like you're not going to hit a home run on your first, second, third, fourth, fifth swing at bat. Like that shit takes practice, whatever you're doing. Don't let them tell you that it's going to be easy. It might be fast. It maybe you got lucky. Maybe you had great teachers or maybe you were willing to fail a lot in that short period of time, but maybe not fast in failure. Maybe fast in time because uh, it's it's different. I, I couldn't agree more. I love it. All right. So what what are you learning right now? Like what are you excited about right now in your life? Um, what am I learning? Uh, well, two, two things actually. So I've got some e-com experience and I've consulted with some e-com businesses. And I just recently um, acquired 25% of a really cool e-commerce business in the uh, health and wellness space. I, I don't even think I've told nice. you about this. No, no, no. We spoke about this before. Yeah. So I am learning a lot about some of the nuances of e-com um, now as an owner uh, of a business to like, you know, there's some things that have to be fixed. There's some nuances. There's some you know, ways that we have to reposition the offer. And uh, there's, a, there's a lot of little turnaround things we have to do. And I'm like going deep into this. So I've got, I've got, a, I've got some experience in e-com. I'm learning more, but I'm still trying to stay enough above the business to where I'm not like too much in the weeds. But once in a while as an owner, you got to roll up your sleeves and get busy. Uh, the other side that I'm drinking from the fire hose, I've got some experience in this, but I want bigger which is mergers and acquisitions. So mm -hmm. I've bought, I've sold businesses, small ones, and I've bought small-ish businesses. Like, you know, I've never done a, you know, a multi-seven-figure, eight-figure deal or something like that yet. But I'm working with uh, our mutual friend, Adil, mm -hmm. who is a uh, IT service business, IT managed service provider uh, for, you know, helps local businesses manage their networks and security, et cetera, et cetera. And together we are, we are approaching other businesses in that field. Uh, some of whether it's as competitors or just people, you know, in other cities. And we are making offers to acquire them. Uh, we have not acquired any yet, but we are in conversations and things are moving forward. 
And I'm out of my comfort zone in this area, but I've invested in mentors and knowledge and resources. And, um, and I've got, uh, you know, I, I've got people I can call on, but I'm absolutely out of my, um, as I said, I'm not an expert in it, but I'm, I jumped in to say, all right, let's, you know, the best way to, you know, to, uh, turn this milk into butter is just to jump in and start, start paddling. Turn, right? turn baby, turn. <laughs> right. So, and I figure, you know, with a lot of this stuff, it's going to be just a, kissing a lot of frogs. But um, I, what, you know, what scares me, not scares me the most, but where I get the most apprehension on something like this. And I tell, and I talk about it in this way because I want people to understand, like anytime you're trying something new, especially if you have a little bit of knowledge, but you don't have enough, like I'm not going to get that high end, super advanced knowledge until uh, I'm sitting in front of a seller who's got a multi-million dollar business and we're about to buy it. And I've, and I've been in this situation where it's like, oh crap, now what? They just said, yes. What do I do? Um, but uh, I'm willing to put myself there because I know that I don't have to know everything as long as I can access the people who do. And one of the cornerstones of my success uh, that I've identified, in fact, it's the cornerstone of everybody's success, sometimes they don't know it, is access and influence. What knowledge, resources, money, help can you access but access is only one aspect, influence is the other, because I may be able to access you, but if I can't influence you to help me, then I'm screwed, right? Mm -hmm. So how can I access people who know more than me, and how can I influence them to help me? It might just be writing them a check. It might just be out of rapport because they know, like, and trust me, but I'm counting on the cornerstones of access and influence to be the hinges that swing big doors of opportunity. I fucking love it. I lo last year when we were selling the company, I was like, you know, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna head the deal. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna be in like the front of the deal, and I'm gonna make sure I talk to all the people that are buying. And I thought I was ready because like I, I understood the business, right, dude? I was a fucking guppy uh, that oh, was man. bleeding in a fucking tank full of sharks. Oh yeah. Um, holy shit! Afterwards, like I. I, I just needed to like sleep for a while. Like even after the sale of the company, it was just like brutal, 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 brutal. Like fuck man. Fuck. But it was amazing because that's how you learn. Like, like you want to get great at jujitsu, go compete. You know what I mean? Go train, go compete. You want to get good at business, get yourself out there and start swimming with sharks and, and you're going to get bit and that's okay. Because like those wounds are going to be the wisdom that you're going to share with the next generation. Absolutely. And for me, it, it intimidates the hell out of me. I, 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 I'll tell you, it intimidates me. And I'm like, golly, should I just, cause I, I, I constantly come to this fork in the road going, should I just double down on what I know and what I'm good at? Or do I try to take this huge step up, which is, which I think is the ultimate evolution of an entrepreneur, which is not starting something new, but it's using like doing highly leveraged. And I don't mean debt. I just mean deals like, you know, why, why should I start a business to and try to get it up to, you know, $10 million a year when I can go maybe buy a business that's doing 5 million and then just double it. Right. Like what, sure. what's, e what's easier? Well, if you don't know what you're doing, you know, if you know how to start a business, a small business, you can start a small business and grow it. But uh, if you don't know what you're doing to, uh, to buy a business, yeah, you're like, if you, you're going to be screwed, but I've done 
I've done small deals on there and I've hired people. I've spent thousands of dollars in mentorship and I've got rapport with those people. I've got access. So for me, I'm like, well, this is a, this is a skill set I want to know because it's, it's one of those that can take you a very long way as if you know how to, if you know how to do deals, you can leapfrog, um, you can leapfrog your way to success. And that's why a few minutes ago I said, people talking about get rich quick. I'm like, wait a minute, get rich quick exists. Get rich easy. Doesn't. Um, I, I was turned on to this paradigm shifting concept in the book, um, millionaire fast lane by MJ DeMarco. You mm-hmm. ever read that? Of course. Yeah. Cool. So in it, he talks that there's a line and I never forget when he said it, I'm paraphrasing, but it was like, um, people think that get rich quick doesn't exist. They're confusing it with its evil cousin, get rich easy, but mm-hmm. you just have to redefine your definition of quick. For instance, if you start a business or buy a business, whatever, and you, um, let's say you start a business and you work your ass off at it for five years, five years, uh, and you, you sell that business for, you know, five times earnings or whatever. And you sell that business for, um, you know, let's say you had it up to a million dollars, you sell it for $5 million. You get a $5 million check after five years. Did you get rich quick? Well, it depends on your definition of quick, because if you compare five years to 40 years of saving and slaving away, you got rich really quick. You didn't get rich overnight and it sure as hell wasn't easy. But what made that possible? It was an exit event. And where you get uh, many times your earnings, your yearly earnings put into your bank account right away. That is quick, but it sure as hell wasn't easy as you just attested to. Yeah, So for sure. Deals, big deals like that, where you can leapfrog the time frame, is what I want to do. Why? Because I'm lazy, dude. Like I don't like working 12, 10, 12 hours a day. Like I sometimes find myself doing, I, I am driven by laziness. Yeah. Like how can I do a big deal and then just go fuck off for a while? I mean, there's a reason why we both started off with the four hour work week, bro. Absolutely. There, there, there's, there's no other reason, but like, you know, I just want to do what I want to do. All right. So now what does your daily life look like? What does your daily life look like right now? Um, waking up, uh, I've been getting up earlier. Like I've been trying to get myself not trying, but I've been doing, uh, the past two weeks. Normally I just wake up without an alarm clock at like seven 30, but I've been waking up at, uh, you know, about five 45 or 6 AM so I can get my ass in the gym. And yeah, but I, I wake up, have a water dr- cup of coffee. I walk down the, I try to walk down the beach every morning cause I live on the beach, which is nice, but I t- try to take a walk, you know, at least for 20 or 30 minutes, just clearing my head. And then, uh, I go to the gym, uh, do a gym workout, come back, take vitamins, uh, you know, sometimes eat and, uh, then get to work. And I work most of the day. I usually work, you know, I'm far from a four hour work week right now, but, uh, you know, I'll work till about 11 or 12 and I'll take another walk down the beach when I can clear my head, usually for about 30, 30 minutes to an hour, come back, get more work done. And then, uh, yeah, I, I usually have a pretty healthy quitting time right around six o'clock or so. Uh, but I, I work from home, so it's pretty easy and you know, I'll take, I'll take many breaks throughout the day. Um, but I'll, I'll do work on the computer. I'll make a lot of phone. I have a lot of phone calls, a lot of people I talk to. And then, uh, in the evening I just, I spend it with my wife, uh, or friends. Like we have a lot of, we have several friends who are neighbors go do a sunset on the beach. And then sometimes a sunset walk. I love my days. My perfect days is when I get like three beach walks in, in a day. It's one of those things I can never get tired of. And, um, 
and then try to go to bed by, you know, between 10 and 11. Um, that's, a, that's about it. I mean, it's you know, fairly it. straightforward. But the nice part it. is sometimes, like, I'll just say, all right, this is a mental health day. I ain't doing shit. I'm taking the day off. And I, I, I just let my body tell me, my body and my mind tell me, hey, you had enough. Like, don't, don't overdo it. Your brain needs a break. I love it. That's amazing. I mean, dude, I, I admire you in, in so many ways. Um, I appreciate that. I, I, I just really enjoy uh, that that curiosity drives you to uh, get uncomfortable. And I, and, I, and I also, because I know you, I also know that um, that waking up earlier and going to the gym and like those things are uncomfortable because it's not something that like you're so like that's like ingrained in you. And like I admire that because like you you are looking for that balance in a lot of ways because fuck yeah well here's that commuter well here's what I'll, you know and i'll i'll explain a process that i've done i really kind of discuss when i say i discovered this process it's like i i want to say i co-created it because it's this process is based on um a lot of different inspirations over my life and then one day i had kind of an epiphany and i started to journal and it was like i downloaded this new I guess it's a meditation or creative visualization process. And uh, it's been one of the coolest things I've ever done. I don't think I've told you about this. In a nutshell, you know, we, we've all got this concept of a future self. And, you know, I've journaled to my future self or my journal. I've had my future self journal back to me. And I've done little exercises and I've seen these. And there's this, you know, there's great, there's books about this. This is not a new concept. What, what was always to me just non- effective about this, just this ambiguous idea of your future self is he didn't seem real. And I remember watching a TV show called Queen of the South one day and in the movie or in the TV show, the the lead character is this young Mexican woman who's caught up in trouble with the drug cartels. And she looks up, she's in trouble. She looks up one day and she sees her future self standing, looking like an absolute badass bitch, like all decked out, rich as hell, like dragon lady like meaning determined right she looks at her current self and she's like get up you're stronger than this you know what to do right and i was just like i just remember thinking god how cool would that be a future brad would show up for me in real life like almost tangibly like visibly as much as that does and where it's not just this imaginary apparition i was like that would be super cool but i would have no idea how to do that the next morning I woke up and I real and I immediately knew how to do it because I realized this, my future self, the idealized version of me, like who I want to be, how I want to show up in the world. Uh, I can create that, right? I've got, we have all got this idea of who this future self is. He will never show up and coach me and advise me and be here for me right now, like current me. If he isn't in the, if he is not in the habit, if he never develops the habit of helping out his past self, because current Brad, Brad today is the past self of future Brad. That very logical. So I have to train my future self to start showing up for his past self. Now that's key. How do you do that? Well, you start today and you start by showing up for your, from, I start showing up for my past self. And the way I do that is like, I, I love doing this walking down the beach. I would immediately just start thinking of all the times and places and you know moments in my life where I could have used some guidance, some help, some consolation, some judgment, 
like a big brotherly fatherly type judgment, right? Where I'm by myself, I'm about to make a stupid mistake and I made the wrong one, right? Like, man, I wish somebody would have told me what to do in that situation. So I allowed myself to imagine going back in time, stepping through a doorway to that moment where young, like 21 year old Brad needed some help. And I just showed up and I allowed myself to see like, because remember it's a memory, so it's already happened. So, right. Like I know what it looked like. I know what it felt like in that place. So I allowed myself to show up and give my younger self advice and talking to him. And I let, I allowed him to see me going, Hey, I turned out pretty damn good compared to, uh, you know, where, where we could have been. Uh, I think, I know you would be proud of who I am today. Let me give you some advice or let me just tell you something that it's going to be okay. Let me console you when it's needed. Let me give you what you needed. And sometimes that's like lovingly judging you going, bro, that's not how to do it. You know, better than this. You're going to do it. If you do it anyway, that's okay. But I expect better from you next time. Right? Like that's how I would want me to show up for me. So I started training my current self to show up for my past self. And it took about a week and I was sitting at my house eating dinner and my wife had bought ice cream. And for the past three or four days, I'd eaten ice cream after dinner, which violates what I want for my health. And one day I just, I was immediately struck by this urge to go get ice cream. And I said, and I, and I, before I did, I looked over across the room on the couch and it was as if future Brad, like five years from now or whatever, showed it was like I could see him. And it's and I, I know it was a visualization. I know it was like he wasn't really there, but it was it was much more real. And I saw him stand up and he looked at me, judging me in a loving way, but like a big brother, like, really, bro? Really? Ice cream? And he kind of pulled up his shirt and he showed me a six pack and he goes, we didn't, and it, the, the, the words are important. We didn't get this six pack by you eating ice cream after dinner. And he just looked at me. He's like, make, and it, the, the idea was make your choice, but we didn't get the six pack by you eating ice cream. You're going to do this to me. And by, by allowing him to show up tangibly and putting a nut, like another person that I didn't want to disappoint because I really liked that version of me. It was a lot easier for me to go, all right, fuck the ice cream. I'm going to go drink a big glass of water. And to this day, I've been doing this exercise pretty much every day. And it's so weird, but man, I see, I see future Brad show up for me um, quite a bit and it makes it easier. Like, oh, I don't want to make this phone call or I don't want to do this. I look over and he's sitting there looking at me going, I made the call. It turned out well. You got to do it. We're the we're the type of person who makes the call, right? And that made a big difference. So, for instance, uh, future Brad, the idealized version of future me, gets up at five forty five in the morning. And he goes out and he crushes the gym. That's what he does. And every and every morning when I wake up, I open my eyes. He's standing next to my bed, going, "Get up! It's time to go." And it's fucking magic. I fucking love it, bro. Thank you for sharing that. I think my that. Pleasure the listeners will get a massive value out of that. If, if they do it, <laughs> they won't they get it. shit if they just listen to it. So now this is actually perfect. This is a perfect segue. And now this is an imagination part of the podcast. Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you a question like a lightning round. You're going to give me an answer. Um, if you weren't an entrepreneur, who would you be? 
prostitute sucking a fat. No, sorry. Um, if I wasn't an entrepreneur, yeah. See, this is actually like one of those uh, things. You know, if I, I would be a, probably a salesperson. I'm good at sales. I like sales, and sales has a degree of entrepreneurialism in it. Meaning mm-hmm, you can typically, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, you you right. eat what you kill. Yeah, exactly. That I'd probably be in sales. I love it. All right. What is what if you can upload one idea into everybody's mind in the world, what would you upload? I would upload the very deep conversation that it it's all it's all a simulation. That the idea that we're ma- we're all making it up as we go and it's all made up and it is a simulation uh very matrix like, right? Like um play i think that's the idea and 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 i'll extrapolate this with one quick little anecdote um a friend of mine who was uh extremely successful got extremely successful after she got a uh it was in a terrible car accident and had a um near-death experience and was like dead on the operating table for, I don't know, like five minutes or something. But then her, her life turned around and it went like skyrocketed after, after that happened. And remember, like she said, like, what do you attribute to your success? She goes, well, I I died on the operating table. How do I know I'm not in heaven? Mm. And that's how she lives her life. How do I know I'm not in heaven? And if you were in heaven, how would things be like, yeah, I can do whatever I want. Like none of this is serious. Like I'm here forever and this is cool. I'm in heaven. Let's make this shit happen. Like, and I love that. Like it's a simulation. It's what you want it to be. And like it, and it makes you fear failure a lot less. That's yeah, a much not real. That, yeah. We could have a whole other hour long call, call on just that topic. A hundred percent. Cause the idea of like uh failure, it's like, how do you know happiness isn't hiding right behind that obstacle? Yeah behind that sorrow, behind that grief, behind that loss? What if what if happiness is hiding there? How do you know? You didn't look. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one book that you recommend uh, to people that you interact with? The number one book. Oh, man, this is like saying choose a favorite I know. Child. I know. It's hard, bro. I know. But, but, if, um, but if you – if like a generalist, like somebody – wants to become an entrepreneur let's say an entrepreneur got it i got it uh the 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 best one for this is um uh roger hamilton's book um uh the millionaire master plan Mm -hmm. he had an event here in las vegas i went there yeah i went to an i went to an event uh in san diego sharp mind yeah yeah I I, i hate the title of that book i love the contents of it I love it. Okay. Um, favorite ice cream combination that you would want made? Got it. Oh, okay. So Ooh. this is one that existed and then Ben and Jerry's stopped it. And I thought about sending a, you know, uh, a bomb threat. A dick, like, a dick pic. A dick pic. <laughs> I'm going to make this again or I will blow you up. It was a, um, it was, oh, I forget the exact name, but it's like, Oatmeal cinnamon swirl. So I have a my one crack addiction is oatmeal raisin cookies. Don't ask me why. It is the best cookie on the planet when done right. And especially with ice cream. And cinnamon. Like I love anything cinnamon. So they had this like oatmeal, I don't even know if it was raisins in it, but like oatmeal raisin cinnamon vanilla ice cream. 
and it was it's kind of it's like an oatmeal raisin cookie meets a cinnamon roll and it was mm. cracked to me and i'm so mad and so glad that they stopped it like i wish they had it because it was a guilty pleasure but i'm so glad they don't because i would not be able to resist going into the store and always having that in my i mean freezer. future you did that bro future you did that that's true he, he got rid of it <laughs> If you were a food, what food would you be? I think I just answered it. <laughs> if you were an animal, what kind of animal would you be? Oh, that's uh, that's a good question. Let me think here. I always wanted to be a bird. You know, like I what love kind the of bird, idea. Bro? Like a sparrow like a or bird. like some fucking some exotic shit. Like a crow. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to be a pigeon. <laughs> shit on people <laughs> fly around and shit on people <laughs> um you know probably like i don't know maybe a condor right because they just let their wings and they just glide easily without too much effort and they just get to see the world uh, from a different vantage point and uh maybe more so than an eagle wow i love it if you were a car what kind of car would you be oh let's see what kind of car would i be you know, I would have answered this at different times in my life. Like I would have answered the exotic sports car, like the Ferrari or the Audi R8, which I used For to sure. have. Um, you know, I would, I think I'd be more of like a, maybe like a Range Rover because it's classy and stylish and cool, but it's, you know, Range Rovers are made for uh, off-road um, like adventure too. So it's a yeah. little bit of combination. I love it. Uh, what's your Enneagram number? I used to know this and I don't know it offhand. I, I don't remember. Like it was year it's been years since I've done that. What's your astrological sign? Aquarius. Me too. Nice. Me too. Aquar- I, I would say I'm very Aquarian. If you were dying. <laughs> yeah. dot, dot, we, dot. Are, we are. We are. Of we course. Are of course. I just I, I enjoy I enjoy the panic that sets in for some people. <laughs> yeah. What would be your last meal? I might have to go back to that damn ice cream. Uh, or wow. I mean, it was could... so good. It was yeah, like, I mean, as I said, it was like oatmeal we... cookies meets cinnamon rolls meets ice cream because those are like three of my guiltiest pleasures. Mm, I love it. So you're staying with that one. Perfect. Last experience. It could be as long as you want or as short as you want with whoever you want. My Well, it would be with my wife. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it would probably be dancing on Molly with my wife. Wow. It's one of the best experiences I've ever had a few times. I love it. That sounds amazing. Last piece of advice for the next generation. That's a good hard one, but um, cause there, you know, there's so much, but I think it's um, I think it's this, I made a Facebook post about this. It was just a question um, recently, and I and I thought deeper about it. It's about taking life seriously, and I think I asked, "How seriously, you know, should you take life?" Right, and I that's why I, I wanted to see people say real serious or not serious, etc. And a lot of people stick with the typical like, "Don't take life too seriously. You never get out alive," and all this. And I don't think people put enough thought into it. But I think it's this: take the inputs seriously, but not the outputs. Right, take. Take your life serious because life, like if, if, as far as we know, it's all we got, right? 
um, make take your make the serious choices choose what you want. Like, do you want to live a, let's just use physical fitness. Do you want to be healthy? Do you want to have a good body that not only looks good, but feels good and allows you to experience life? Then take it seriously. Like take seriously what you put into it and how you move it. Do you want to have a a career where you have, you're financially free that allows you to experience things? Take your careers, like what you do seriously, but don't take seriously the outputs, um, the, you know, the outcomes that are like out of results. your control, the results, yeah. right? And I think this is also one of the underpinnings of like Buddhist philosophy as well, yes. which is which is detachment from the results, but but absolutely attach yourself, take dead seriously the inputs, right? And that doesn't mean that you can be, you can have serious fun. Right. Like you can enjoy you take physical fitness and your body really serious, but you don't look like you're working. You look like you're playing. Yeah. Right. And I don't think there's a time where you're like, I don't think you beat yourself up over. Oh, well, these muscles aren't as well developed as they should be. I'm a loser or whatever. Right. Like the output, the outcome for you, I don't think is as important as the input. Right. You enjoy doing what you're doing. So I think that's the. That's the advice to everybody is know what to take seriously and what not to. Uh, my friend Mark Manson's book about the subtle art of not giving a fuck is also similar to that. Like pay attention. You know, you've only got so many fucks to give. Be careful what you what fucks you do give. Give the fucks about what you're putting in, not necessarily what happens because you can't always control what happens, but you can always control what you do next. And I think that's really, if I was the underpinning of everything is take the input seriously, but not the outcomes. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's just like, I'm obsessed with the fucking process and I'm obsessed with the present moment. Uh, but I don't really care too much, like what the result looks like, because that's a lot of, it's not up to me. It's a fucking gamble. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you'll adapt because if you're adaptable, you're like, okay, well, that didn't work out the way I expected it to. Chances are it worked out some other way that you might be happy with. And even if it didn't, you adapt. Okay, what's next? Yeah, I, I don't know saying, what the fuck's going to make me happy. Ne- yeah, we're saying what's next till the day we die. And then, we're, sure. saying, and then we're kind of saying what's next. Yeah, we'll see. What's sure. next. We'll see. All right. Last line on your tombstone. Here lies Brad Costanzo, grateful for every minute. I love it. I love it, bro. All right, brother. Um, Where can people find out more about what you do? Where can people contact you? I'm also going to post the links, but... Yeah, so my primary website is bradcostanzo.com. That's kind of just a jumping off point of like the things I'm up to. Uh, and if they like the smooth, sultry sounds of my radio voice, they can always tune in to bacon wrapped business, uh, bacon business.com. You know, they can email me at Brad at bacon business.com. They can find it on like iTunes, Spotify, all the, all the various podcast platforms. And that's where I try to share my sizzling hot business advice guaranteed to make you fat profits. What? <laughs> I fucking love it. <laughs> Bro, thank you so much for coming on. This was incredible. Um, I appreciate you in more ways than one. Uh, thank you for sharing all these like insights and, and just wisdom. Wisdom from your years of just like pounding the pavement and fucking getting your ass kicked. Tis my pleasure, amigo, as always. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, till next time. Till next time, bro. You too.
Thank you for listening to the Alchemy of Self podcast. If you resonate with our message, please show us some love by hitting the subscribe button and giving us a like. You can also visit our website at www.romza.com to continue your journey of self-discovery and keep up with our latest offerings. With love and harmony from all of us at the Alchemy of Self podcast.